The coronavirus is the biggest threat this country has faced we for decades. We have asked everyone in Wales to make changes in the way we live our lives. Stay at home during this pandemic. Welcome to Journos in Lockdown. A podcast created by trainee broadcast journalists who are learning to report in a global pandemic. As we've not been able to go out and meet journalists, we've decided to bring them to you and ask them what challenges coronavirus has brought them and what the future of journalism might look like. Hello and welcome to another episode of Journals in Lockdown. I'm Fionn Clark and last week I was able to chat to Jane Garvey over a video call. She is a presenter on BBC Radio 4's Woman's Hour and hosts the podcast Fortunately with Fee and Jane, alongside Fee Glover. We spoke about the power of radio, what it's like in Broadcasting House, and about tips for young journalists. So here is the full episode. Thank you very much for joining me, Jane. First of all, how are you? It's actually quite a hard question, isn't it, at the moment? So in terms of my uh, physical health, I've been really fortunate. I am absolutely fine. And I'm one of those uh, coronavirus bores who thinks they may have had something in February, but I can't, you know, I've no idea. (laughs) I had a bit of a funny, I felt a bit odd for a few days, didn't put a name to it, didn't wasn't really didn't take to my bed didn't feel I don't know uh, and ever since then I've been I have been absolutely fine and in, feel incredibly uh, grateful for that mentally uh, I'm probably about as balmy as everybody else right now um, and I've got to also I'm incredibly fortunate for a whole string of reasons in terms of the fact that I don't I've still got a job so that's good um, and my family are all okay as well although I, my parents are both 86 and I miss seeing them and um, I worry about them as I think everybody would do. In, yeah, a lot of people of my age have got older, older, obviously older parents in their lives and it's, it's a bit tough at the moment. And what does a day look like for you now? How has coronavirus impacted that? A working day is very, very different. Um, I am still going into Broadcasting House to present Woman's Hour in my case. The podcast that I do, fortunately, um, with Fee Glover, we're able to record remotely. So I'm doing that from home, uh, which I'm really enjoying. So um, it's been good for me in a way. So I've, I've had to upskill and do little bits of tech, which for years I haven't had to do because national radio presenters on the whole are infantilized to such a degree that we're not allowed to touch anything sharp. We don't do any of the technical stuff. And I actually really missed it because I was a local radio presenter for a long time and really enjoyed driving the desk and all that sort of stuff. So I'm quite quite glad in a way to have a little bit of that back in my life. Um, doing Woman's Hour is odd in the sense that there are very few of us in the office. Um, Broadcasting House, I think, is at 7% of its normal capacity. So it's really quiet and quite eerie and it feels, it's actually quite depressing going there in a way because it reminds you of <laughs> it reminds you of how busy it used to be um, and there are little areas taped off uh it's to be yeah it's a bit gloomy um honestly and the center of london is also quite a hard place to be because i used to think i hated all the bustle and the traffic and the tourists 
now I realise how fantastic it was. <laughs> and um, you can walk. I walked the length of Oxford Street the other day just to get some exercise on the way back from work. And I think I probably saw about, oh, I don't know, about 20 or 30 people. Uh, you know, that's not how it should be. So, yeah, I'm not making it sound very uh, exciting. <laughs> uh, I'm just being completely honest. It's a really strange time. Um, yeah, and how, how has it changed Woman's Hour itself as a show? Well, um, from a presenter's point of view, you no longer see anybody you're talking to. So I always really liked having people in the studio with me. And on a good day at Woman's Hour, I would have all the guests in the room with me right from the start of the programme so that each guest could listen to another guest's contribution. And uh, people really enjoyed it. I think they would always learn something about somebody else's life or some experience they'd never been through. And it always added to the atmosphere. There was always a real buzz in the room um, because Woman's Hour isn't a programme where we, on the whole, put people on the ropes and give them a hard time. Uh, I mean, if they're politicians, obviously that's slightly different, but um, it's often about celebrating women's lives and women's achievements. And it's, it's lovely to get everybody gathered together in that space and just make the most of all the mutual excitement. Um, so obviously now everybody's outside the building I can't make any eye contact I can't get the sense of people in the same way which I think is a real shame I do try to make up for that by calling people um on the, you know on the phone before the program um just to introduce myself and just say oh thanks for doing it and it's really nice to chat informally and that usually pays off particularly if they are a so-called ordinary member of the public I don't like that expression very much but we're running a series of coronavirus diaries, as are a lot of other programmes. And um, these are uh, the voices of people who have just emailed the programme saying, please, can I just come on and tell you how I'm getting through this or what challenges I have? And we had a woman this week called Elaine who really struck a chord. Um, she had, her husband had died three years ago and she'd just begun to pick up the pieces of her life and was then faced with the coronavirus and the lockdown and she's on her own she doesn't have kids her family aren't close she's relatively young she's in her late 50s and um she just talked about frankly about how lonely she was and the reaction to her was just incredible how important do you think woman's hour is now do you think its role has changed at all during the lockdown i, I think arguably radio generally has just never been more important i think it's Obviously, I'm fanatical about radio and I've worked in it for my entire, pretty much my entire working life. And I love it. And I, it's always been such a big part of my own life. Um, so I wouldn't I wouldn't particularly pick out Woman's Hour or indeed Radio 4. Um, I listen to a lot, a lot of other radio and I think every single station I listen to regularly. And that's LBC and Five Live in particular. Uh, radio 2, I like magic. Um, I've never failed to enjoy a whole range of different radio stations and every place I've gone to for entertainment or reassurance over the last couple of weeks, I think has just been brilliant. I think there's been some really inventive radio. Um, I think people have, people like Greg James on Radio One, I like a bit of Greg as well. He's, you know, he's just, he's a very clever person doing sometimes you might call, you might call them quite juvenile things, but it's just about involving people. And um, so I think, I think radio has just been astonishing over the last uh, month or so. Woman's Hour is a sort of BBC legacy brand. And um, 
there's lots of, about it that's wonderful and if I'm honest there's also quite a bit about Radio 4 generally that's a bit frustrating it's quite it's quite slow to change and um, sometimes you wish it could be a little bit more flexible um, but on the other hand at the moment people need comfort and they like to hear what they know and I think a lot of people have just appreciated the fact that Women's Hour uh, and other Radio 4 live programmes have kept on going. A lot of other programmes have had to just put out repeats and because staff are not, not in the building, um, but Women's Hour has kept going with most of my colleagues working from home and usually just three of us in the office on a day when the programme's going out live. And that is a big difference. We, we would often have, I don't know, 15 people in the room working on a whole string of programmes across the week. And so now there's just it's just the bare bones of the presenter and two other people in the office. Do you think that kind of love for radio and the community aspect of it is something that will carry on past lockdown? I hope it will. I think it'll it certainly put the BBC in a in a more comfortable position. I think there was no doubt that the current government um, had issues about the BBC. Some of them I, I absolutely understand. I think that is. The BBC has put itself back at the heart of national life, if you like, in a way that I think presents the government with a bit of a challenge if it is going to take the BBC on in any significant form. Um, I'm a big fan of podcasts, but podcasts are not live, obviously, by their very nature. And live radio has been just a go-to place for friendship and, and information for so many people um, lately. And so I, I hope people don't forget um, about it because yeah, look I love Netflix as well um, but it's not it's not the same it can't it can't be a reassuring voice at three in the morning frankly it really can't you're listening to journals in lockdown how has this impacted your work-life balance well I've always worked from home um, up to a point there's quite a lot of reading to do around Radio 4 programmes generally. So I would, if I did say I did the programme live on a, an ordinary day before lockdown, I would probably stay at work for an hour or two after the programme, sometimes record an interview or do something. And then I'd come home and probably work for a couple of hours in the evening if I was doing the programme the next day. Or um, So it hasn't significantly changed for me. Um, there's always been an element of working from home in this job. I think it's a lot harder for my colleagues who are used to being in the office. So the presenters are never in, never do a full day at work, <laughs> if I'm really honest. I mean, by at work, I mean in the building. And, um, and actually that's one of the good things about being a presenter <laughs> you know, on a good day. I could, I mean, I'll be really honest with you. I really miss, I'd, I'd be popping out for lunch by 12 o'clock, half 12. And um, there'd always be a reason why I had to go out for lunch with somebody. And um, I had a very nice life. I think so many of us are um, thinking back to how things were before this and realising how lucky we were without really being appreciative enough. Um, it's much, I'd say, well, what we do, just to give you an idea, is after the programme, we'll have a, a Zoom meeting um, about how the programme has gone and about the prospects for the next day's programme. And we can have sort of 18 people on that Zoom call. And some of them, are really desperate to, to go to the Zoom meeting or attend the Zoom meeting because they, they, you know, they feel really out of it. They haven't been involved in a working environment for a long time. I, I, people think working from home is wonderful and it can be, but I really miss the buzz 
of a lively office with people arguing and pitching in with their ideas. I don't think you can really replace that, to be honest. And is there anything that you feel like you've learnt through lockdown or that you'll want to take with you past lockdown once it's over? Uh, I've certainly learnt how much I enjoyed my old life. Um, I've never thought of myself as a particularly social person, but I now realise I actually am. <laughs> but I really, I really want my social life back sooner rather than later, please. Um, I've learned that most people, I think we've all learned this actually, that most people are okay. Some people are brilliant. And then there's a chunk of the population that are just total idiots and um, utterly selfish, utterly self-obsessive and completely incapable of understanding the bigger picture. <laughs> I think that's, it's so frustrating. Um, when you see so many people doing wonderful things and then there's that chunk of the population that just seem to think it's always all about them um, and that's yeah I don't, I don't know what we're going to make of this when it's all over I think by the way that we're only I mean, it's, it's very possible there'll be some sort of inquiry into all well it's almost certain isn't it that there'll be an inquiry into all this when it's over but that's really hard because none of us I don't know what I mean by when it's all over um, this could be years away but um, there will undoubtedly be questions asked about how how things have gone here there's no doubt about that and we're hearing a lot of issues about potential unemployment the economy do you have any tips for young journalists who might be really passionate but seeing all yes. of this stuff yeah i'd i hope people don't get too downhearted i would say actually that so i'm 55 so from when i left school it was 1982 and i, I grew up in liverpool um which was obviously at that time a place that was really up against it and Liverpool lost a big chunk of its population back in the 80s. People like me in fact who left to go to university and, and never really lived there again and things did seem incredibly gloomy then and um, and I eventually got a job in radio in 1987 after a hell of a lot of rejection um, and that was a job in commercial local radio and I had already been rejected by the BBC two or three times up to that point. And then I think I got into the BBC at my sixth attempt. But even then, it was after other people, um, somebody had rejected the job and uh, they'd come to me because I was on the waiting list. So I would just say to everyone, don't assume that this is such a terribly gloomy time that you won't get anywhere. Because if you give up, that's a surefire way to guarantee that you won't get anywhere. I think you absolutely have to try to be positive about your, your chances. Um, and in a way, this generation of, of journalists and broadcasters has a greater opportunity to show skills. There wasn't really a way that I, there were no opportunities for me to show what I could do before I did it, if you see what I mean. But there's nothing to stop anybody these days putting together a podcast or um, getting themselves to the attention of a broadcaster by doing something you know putting something out there that other people can enjoy so that makes it slightly easier and um i just think you have to be prepared for rejection it will almost certainly happen some of the best people at the bbc are those who took a hell of a long time to get in there and um maybe had a few bumps along the way as well if you do get through your broadcasting career without getting sacked or without offending somebody or without getting into a certain amount of trouble, chances are you probably haven't caused many waves or 
have been terrifically good at what you do. So you've just got to stick your head above the parapet. And also if you're a presenter, if you want to be a presenter, um, you've got to be prepared to be disliked. It doesn't actually, if you're a broadcaster, if you're disliked, it doesn't actually mean that people won't listen to you. In fact, it might mean that more people are listening to you in order to be angered by you. So um, I have had to develop a slightly thicker skin than I've probably got in real life because the, obviously uh, social media and everything else gives uh, every, um, every person with an axe to grind the opportunity to have a go at you. And they do. So um, you, uh, you, you've got to take a bit of that. Don't get too self-involved about it. You know, everybody, uh, everybody has a right to an opinion and um occasionally i will i'll answer back if someone's slacked off the program or had a go at me and um that can be quite a good way of dealing with it but you have to be very careful about what you say and um on the whole i think it's better just to ignore that sort of criticism but i i do i do think that this isn't as bad a time as some people might have you believe for, for broadcasters and journalists um the BBC, I know, is desperate to recruit um, a, a more young people um, from a generation who, in some ways, perhaps might have forgotten about the BBC a little bit until now, which is what I meant about the BBC coming back to the centre of national life. My own kids probably pay little or no attention to the BBC, partly because they associate it with their boring parents, but partly because they're a generation who's grown up with so many other different things to listen to and watch. But I think even they are now beginning to understand that on the whole, it is a brilliant organisation that tries very hard to be fair and to tell the truth. It's never the quickest. Sometimes it's not the most exciting, but it is a source of information that people can trust. Well, thank you very much for chatting to me this morning, Jane. I really appreciate it. Thank you very much, Fiona. Well, thanks again to Jane for her time and thanks to you for listening. Don't forget, you can follow us on Twitter. We're at Lockdown Journos. And keep an eye out for our next episode where Meg will be speaking to Laura Woods. Until then, stay safe. Bye-bye.